A few weeks ago, I had a wonderful opportunity to attend what was called a grief talk on a Saturday morning just up the road here at First Baptist, and I had an opportunity to hear Brother Paul share, share his heart, share his ministry, and as I was sitting there, and he was really ministering to a number there who were grieving, and uh, and then things he shared really struck me like, you know what, uh, the church could benefit from this, just to be equipped and edified and how to be salt and light and to come alongside those in the community, maybe your own family, who, who may be dealing with grief. And, and it was very practical, it was very uh, shepherding, and, and I spoke with him afterwards, and since then um, we've kind of hit it off. And I said, you know what, would you, would you be available to come on a Sunday and, and speak, to, speak to our church family on this topic of grief and, and how to how to walk through that and how to minister. And so we're blessed that his schedule was, uh, was available. And so uh, come on up, Paul, and I'll let you introduce yourself, and you can take it from here. Thank you, Richie, and thank you, everyone, for being here today. What an honor to be here and to be able to worship with you and just to meet all of you wonderful people here. What an privilege it is to be here. And so I thank you again for the opportunity to be here. And thank you for coming today. And if this is your first time or it's been a while since you've been here, come back next Sunday and hear Pastor Richie, okay? Uh, so if you're visiting today, I'm just, you know, I'm just preparing the way, so to speak. So, but I am so honored to be here on this day, and I don't believe it's an accident that you're here in person or you're joining us online. And so I really appreciate you taking time to connect with us today. And I am praying and hoping that this will be an encouragement to all of us. Now, let me quickly introduce myself. So I've met a few of you here and see some familiar faces. Uh, my name is Paul Linderman. I am not from California. Can you tell? All right, let's just start with that. I am from North Carolina. I was born in Jacksonville, Florida. My dad was in the Navy. When I was two years old, we moved up to North Carolina. And that's where I grew up, acquired this Southern accent that will not leave me. And so my family and I have been here in California for almost eight years now. And uh, um, I have a wife, been married for 25 years. I'll be 46 years old in a couple of months, and nobody believes me. In Ojai, Ventura, Camarillo, it doesn't matter where I go. They ask me, is your dad coming? You know, I say, no, no, I am the dad. So I've uh, been married for 25 years, have wife, four kids. They're all girls. Please say a prayer for me as well. Try for the boy. It just didn't work out. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite the man that you are. You know, I miss the boy. But I am just, uh, we love California, love what God has done. After pastoring for 17 years over on the East Coast, God just opened up a new door for us to come out here on the, on the West Coast, and it's just an honor, really is, to see what God is doing. Even when I didn't see what he was doing, he was always working behind the scenes. It's kind of what he does. He specializes in that. And uh, so it's been great to be able to minister and to provide support for people. Um, in addition to being an ordained minister, I'm also a certified grief counselor. So I'm one of the weird guys in the county. Actually, I might be the only one like that, come to think of it. But I minister spiritually, but I also deal with the certified grief counseling side of things, which is more of a psychological scientific approach. And I have found that balancing the two and bringing the two together helps people, whether, uh, wherever they are on their spiritual journey, it helps them come to a more appropriate status 
of grieving. And so that's been kind of my calling, what God has done. And now he has merged uh, these two sides of things to really minister to help people, whether they be a pastor or staff or church family, whatever the situation is, or people that are outside or don't have any type of faith and kind of new to all of this. And I'm here to help all people wherever they might be. So it's an honor, again, for me to be here. It really is. Now, some of you, you're probably here for one of three different reasons, okay? You may be here today and you're hurting. You're grieving yourself. And so my prayer is that you're going to be comforted today by something that is said, Okay, so some of you are here because at Mark Ministries, where, where I, I serve and one of the reasons I'm here today is to bring comfort. Some of you are here and you're kind of curious. You're kind of trying to figure out what is this grief about? That sounds like an interesting topic. Let's, what is this about? What is grief? What is loss? So you're here to kind of learn because you may not be right in the depths of grief and loss today. And then I would say, as the mission is of this church, one other great aspect of this type of ministry, Mark Ministries that we have, is it's, it's a tool to be able to reach people in the community. Because we may get comforted ourselves, we're going to learn about it, but then we can take what we learn and reach people in our own family, in our neighborhoods, uh, in our communities, our workplaces, uh, to really help them to know about God's love in the midst of grief and what Christ can do for them. And so it's just a wonderful thing that God has done. I want to say one other thing, and then we're going to get right into uh, the message today. I also am the bereavement coordinator for assisted hospice, which we have several patients in Ojai um, at different places and also the lead chaplain. So occasionally, this, ha- this happened at the last group where we were, uh, somebody was there and had a loved one that needed hospice. What they did is they signed up with assisted hospice and they put my name in there, Paul Linderman, and I was assigned to be their spiritual counselor or chaplain personally so I could go visit them because we have, a, they have different people that work under me. So if that's you or you're interested, please let me know and uh, I'll be happy to go visit them whether they're in a home or a facility. So I wanna, just want to throw that out there uh, and see it worked out beautifully just a few weeks ago as well. So today, our topic, our title of this message is Understanding Loss in an unprecedented time. Understanding loss in an unprecedented time. You know, loss comes in all kinds of different forms, and then we have just gone through an unprecedented time and still kind of on the outskirts of that. And so grief has been very complicated here in the last year and a half. Um, I just officiated a memorial. I had two this week where I officiated, and I just officiated one yesterday, and the person died at the very beginning of the pandemic over a year ago. But they weren't able to have a memorial because of COVID and restrictions and flight patterns and things of that nature. So we're finding this to be a very real problem and difficulty and challenge for people of faith and no faith, wherever they might be. And so we're going to talk about what is grief? What is loss? That's the big question. And I'll be honest with you, it's an awkward question, is it not? It's an awkward topic. You know, you, you probably were curious to come today. Maybe you came here just because of, uh, you know, this is your church or maybe you're visiting today, but this particular topic's not one you get up, woo, I want to go learn about grief today. You know, it's not one of those exciting things to go hear about it. It's not on anybody's bucket list to ever go to a bereavement support group. Yeah, that's what I've always dreamed of doing. But we find that it's so important to talk about this particular topic. So what is it? Let me give you a definition. It is the automatic response to any t- 
type of valuable loss. That's what grief is. The automatic, natural, normal response to any type of valuable loss. It is the natural feeling a person experiences when they lose something of value. For example, there are disenfranchised types of loss, which apply to a lot of people, but we don't recognize it or get the validation as much as we think we probably need. For example, a person can lose a job that they dearly love and they're fired or they get laid off because of whatever the reason might be, but they love that job and now they're grieving the loss of their job. It could be a pet. It could be, I've lost pets, I've lost a couple of cats, a dog. Also, That was really hard to lose that, but many times we overlook it or don't validate it as much. But to the person who loved that particular animal, they were very special. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you love dogs? How many of you love cats? How many of you love Roscoe? <laughs> if you love snakes, do not raise your hand. We're praying for you. But here is a type of loss that is so relevant in our world today. It could be a person who loses their health or their independence and no longer able to walk or cannot feed themselves as a lot of my hospice patients can no longer. Or they start losing their memory skills. They're starting to grieve uh, their freedom. It could be financial loss, uh, you, know, their in the, you know, their ability to pay the bills and that type of thing. It could be a relationship, it could be a divorce situation or something else that went sour or an estrangement within the family. It could be a possession. I've had many people come to my bereavement support groups, many of them, and they came because they lost a house in the Thomas fire. That was a loss to them and they were grieving. It was a hard situation. Most commonly when we think of grief and loss, we think of a person. We think of someone that we dearly love someone who is a significant part and we value their relationship and they are physically no longer here with us. That's a very challenging, difficult situation. Queen Elizabeth II defined grief this way, one of the most simplest, or excuse me, the simplest definition I've heard. She said, grief is the price we pay for love. Anything or anyone you love when they pass, grief automatically comes in place because they are physically no longer probably the simplest definition, but most profound. Proverbs chapter 14, 13 says this, laughter can conceal a heavy heart, but when the laughter ends, the grief remains. We can smile, we can laugh, we can enjoy life still, but for most people, Probably all of us, there is some measure or degree of loss that we have gone through. And at times when the right song is playing or the mood is there or the moment is there, there's a sadness because of that loss, whether it was 10 days ago or 10 years ago. I have one lady in my grief group. She's been coming for the last couple of years. She found the grief group. Her husband passed away 31 years ago. So there's different uh, situations because grief remains within us. And in this life we live, it's filled with gain and loss. And so we go through that. I tell people, you've either gone through a loss, you're going through a loss right now, or you're going to go through a loss in the future. And so this ministry and what we're going to talk about today is so very important.
Now, what I want to give you is an acrostic, okay? I believe the last time I checked, grief was spelled G-R-I-E-F. Is that right, Richie? Okay, good. All right, G-R-I-E-F. And so I'm going to, we're going to put on the screen here uh, a letter, a, a principle for each letter, and I'm going to try to move right along here. Um, if it's in your bulletin, great. If you, if you want to write it down, wonderful. If you miss it or you don't get it, um, you'll get my card as you leave today, and you can email me or text me, and I'll send it to you. Okay, because these principles are so valuable and so very helpful. So when we get to the letter G, here's the first one. Um, the letter G stands for this. Give yourself and others permission to grieve. Give yourself and others permission to grieve. In other words, be patient with yourself during this time. Now, try to imagine me as a 10-year-old boy. I know what you're thinking. You look like you're 10 right now. 10-year-old boy, I faced my first real loss. I'll never forget it. I came home off the school bus, walked in. My mother was very upset, and, and I learned that my beloved grandfather had a heart attack, and he was gone. Presbyterian minister over in Virginia, wonderful, lovable man, but he had passed away. And it was a very real situation as a 10-year-old little boy. February the 10th, 1986, I still remember the date. And it was very shocking, very hard to deal with. I learned some things about grief and, and how children grieve differently than adults and how teenagers grieve differently than children and young adults and women and men have different grief reactions and, and, and uh, ways that they try to process this. And so I, I knew that there was something different there. I didn't know. I still remember at the funeral, uh, I was there. My younger brother, Mark, was there. And I'm over there crying and grieving and, and, and trying to deal with this particular loss. And my younger brother's over doing cartwheels in the funeral home. So there was a different type of response there. And, and it reminds me that we have to be patient with ourselves and with others as we go through the grief process. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 remind us that we all are running in a race. We're in a race, and the scripture reminds us as we move forward in the, on this earthly journey to run with patience or endurance, and to be patient with ourselves as we have to endure certain things as we move forward on our earthly journey. And so I would say to you, be patient with yourself and others. Tell yourself, it's okay to not be okay. I am going through a process. My life has changed. Things are different. And this is a new journey that I'm on. Don't be too hard on yourself and other family members and friends when they are going through a significant loss. We all grieve on our own time schedule. Some people come to a more appropriate state earlier than others. But we, it's different for everybody because everybody grieves in their own way. There are different therapies that work for some people that don't work for others. We grieve in our own way. It's okay to ask questions when you're grieving. It's okay to cry when you're grieving. It's okay to cry every day. That's part of the process. Over in the South, as I told you where I'm from, every now and then I'll see a bumper sticker when I visit over there and it says, real men don't cry. And every time I go over there, I want to jump out of the car if we're parked at a traffic light and go up there and just rip that bumper sticker off or take a, high, um, a permanent marker and say, real men can cry. It's okay. Um, it's okay to cry, man or woman. It's part of the process. Washington Irving, who wrote The Legend of Sleepy Hollow in 1820 and also an essayist and biographer and historian there in the early 19th century, he wrote one of the best quotes 
regarding tears. He said, there is a sacredness in tears. They are not the mark of weakness, but of power. They speak more eloquently than 10,000 tongues. They are the messengers of overwhelming grief, of deep contrition, and of unspeakable love. End of quote. And oh, how true that is. It is okay to cry. It is okay to talk about it and to ask the questions. It's okay. But give yourself permission and others. Give them permission to grieve since we're all different. We all have different thumbprints. It's unique to you. So is your grief journey, even within your own family. So give yourself, be patient with yourself and others as you go through this grief journey. The letter R stands for this. Reach out for support from sources that can help you. Reach out for support from sources that can help you. Oh, how true this is. Proverbs 17 verse 17 reminds us that a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity or trouble. And what greater time does your friend or family member need your love when they are grieving? Loves at all times, in the good times and in the bad times. And a brother is born for adversity or trouble. That could apply biologically, but also spiritually as a brother or sister in Christ. And we are there to love and support them during this time. And therefore, it's important that we do reach out for that support. I often tell and say, reach out for support from sources that can help you. There are some sources out there that actually cannot help you. It could be that nosy neighbor that all they want to do is get in your business and now you've got another problem on your hand. You know, make sure you reach out and, and speak out and that's so important and vital. No man is an island, the old statement goes. It's important to reach out, but to make sure that you have that support from sources that can help you. It could be a friend that truly cares or understands what you're going through to a certain degree. It could be a support group. And, and that's kind of a hard thing to do because sometimes we don't want to talk or share or we don't want other people to know what we're going through. But something like a support group or a time of sharing can be very, very helpful. Even if you come just to simply listen just to observe or to hear or to learn from others. We do have a support group that's going to be starting Tuesday, July the 6th uh, over at First Baptist. And that will be from 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock. So I'll remind you of that. And we'll remind you continually here. But that is open for all of you as well in the entire community here of Ojai. It'll be a free group Tuesday, July the 6th at 4 o'clock. So I remind you of that as well. That's an opportunity to come and to learn and possibly share if there's anything uh, that's going on as far as your grief process. So we find that reaching out for support is very important. It could be a pastor. It could be a counselor, a certified grief counselor such as myself. But reaching out. Some people, groups is their thing. Some people, they may need more of the individual counseling. And I do plenty of that as well uh, through the ministry. But I remind you, there are times where you need to reach out for support. You need to talk about it. You need somebody else to listen. There's a power just in verbalizing your feelings and thoughts, just sharing and talking about it. So reach out. I'll never forget my oldest daughter, who's 23 years old now, when she was born on Valentine's Day, our little Valentine. And as she continued to grow and, and started to crawl, I'll never forget when she started to walk. 
And what she did is she started scooting a little bit and she tried to pull up herself on the coffee table there or on the couch and pull herself up. And then finally she would uh, start letting go of the coffee table or the, or the couch and she would start reaching her hands out as she was trying to find her balance. And she'd reach for, for my hand or, or her mom's hand or a grandparent or whoever. She was learning a new path that she was on. She was trying to find balance because she she didn't want to fall. So it was important that she put her hands out and she reached out for something or someone who could help balance her as she walked forward on this new journey of walking. And grief is kind of like that. Where we have to, when we are, I've been the, knocked out, when we have, our world has crashed down and, and we're falling flat on our back and we're just kind of crawling through life and we try to take those steps to move forward, we need that same type of support of people who are, who are been there or can help us and pray for us and encourage us along the journey. Does that make sense? Reaching out for support is so, so important. Okay, so the letter G, give yourself and others permission to grieve. The letter R, reach out for support from sources that can help you. And then the letter I, here's a big one. Here's a big one. The letter I, ignore the insensitive remarks of others. Ignore the insensitive remarks of others. Proverbs 25, 11 reminds us that a word fitly spoken or spoken at the right time, it fits exactly the particular need, is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. It is just what they needed. And as true as that, that is, that book of wisdom, Proverbs there, it implies that the opposite is true as well. A word that is not fitly spoken or the wrong words at the wrong time can actually hurt a lot of people. Now, how many of you know somebody who is rude? Now, I didn't say point to them if they're in the room here, okay? All right, we all know somebody who's rude, and they're just mean and rude and hard to get along with, and we try to love them in Jesus' name anyway, and we pray for them. Sometimes well-meaning, lovable, even Christian family, church family, sometimes without thinking they, they want what's best for you and they love you, but they might even say the wrong thing at the wrong time depending on where you are at your moment of loss and grief. And I would just encourage you, if you're on whichever side of that you're on, if you're hurting and someone says something, just understand they mean well, they love you, they're trying to encourage you, okay? If you're on the other side, I would just say, and you hear those words, you're going to have to, as I've had to learn through my own grief experiences, not to dwell on those words, not to do that, just to try to ignore them. I know it's hard, but let it go in one ear out the other, knowing that they're trying to help you and they're trying to encourage you because those remarks are going to come. They're going to come from the community. They're going to come from well-meaning church family. They're going to come from all of us. I've said them as well before, and it's really important. Now, let me give you a few examples here. This is a whole nother seminar that I do, and I'm not going to go there, but just a few things that I would suggest here in just the time we have. Somebody's going to tell you six months after your loss that you should be over it by now. Anybody ever heard that before? Okay, all right, yes, you have. I have too. You see, in grief, you don't necessarily get over it. You get through it. You can't get around it. You have to deal with it. You have to go through it. And many times, well-meaning people are going to say, it's been a year, aren't you over that? Aren't you any better? Truth is, they don't know your particular loss and what you're going through. 
They might even say it at the wrong time. You might have had a good day the day before, but today you're not. The wrong words at the wrong time. So those are words I encourage people not to say. And just to say, hey, I'm with you. We're going to get through this. I'm here with you. Something along those lines. So you're going to hear those words. Get over it. But remember, you're going to get through it. With God's help, you will get through it. Someone says this. um, A young lady loses her husband. And so a well-meaning church lady, I heard this story over in North Carolina recently. A young man passes away. Lady in the church comes up to her, and she's grieving. She's young, has three kids. She's a single mother now. And a well-meaning church lady comes up to her three months after the sudden passing and says, Oh, well, you're young. You'll find someone else, sweetheart. That's not what that lady needed to hear. That young lady had actually sent her further back. She was out of church for a couple months because of the one statement. Those things are not helpful. You know, just be there and love them on their journey. A lady came to my grief support group. Her, she was the only child of her mother. She visited her mom for nine straight years every day at a facility in Ventura. Every day. The staff knew her. They wanted her to live there. I mean, she was just so wonderful there, so faithful to her mom. She literally did not miss a day. God gave her great health. She didn't miss a day in nine years. She would come after work, help put her, uh, change her mom, feed her mom, and help put her to bed, and then she would leave. Nine years. Wow. Okay? All right? Her family knew what she was doing, taking care of her mom. Her mom passes away. She takes care of her mom. She has a service for her mom. All of this is before COVID. All of that had the service. Everything was fine. And one day the Santa Ana winds blew in and blew the flowers off of her grave. So her aunt, the deceased sister, happens to go on that one particular day when there are no flowers on the grave. And what does she do? She calls the daughter, chews her out, said, you are the worst daughter in the world. You don't even take care of your mom as a grave. One statement sent that lady back in a very, very difficult way. And I had to remind her, you cannot dwell on those insensitive remarks. She does not know all that you did for your mom, and she doesn't know how fragile your uh, grief journey is right now. So that's another example. And then I'm going to give you one more, and this one's not talked about a whole lot. Um, And this is so important. This is from a certified grief counselor perspective for sure. Two words I encourage people never to say. The words, at least. A lady has a miscarriage, she tells her friend. And the friend says, well, you're young, at least, at least you're young, you might can have another child. What that does is it minimizes the person's pain. That's one perspective. Or if somebody has had a family I'm working with in Camarillo right now, uh, they have three children, uh, one of the sons passed away, okay, suddenly 19 years old, okay? Somebody came to her and said, well, at least you have two other children. Not helpful. And then this was in a church, not helpful. She didn't know. They didn't know. They were trying to be helpful. They just didn't know. Um, or here's a big one that helps a lot because I deal with a lot of seniors. Okay. I recently, lady of faith, strong faith. Okay. Went to the memorial service. After the memorial, I saw a man walk up to her and said, how old was your mom? She said, 95 years old, 95 years old. And he said, at least she had a long life problem was is he didn't know what I knew about that woman how she had visited her mom every day and at the very last moments was literally lying in the bed stroking her hair until she passed away crying her eyes out the mother the daughter was 70s 75 or so mom was 95 it was still her mom though 
And in that moment, the words at least were not helpful. So if that may be one takeaway for you today. So ignore the insensitive remarks from others. And if you're on the other side, remember most of them mean well, and they're just trying to help you and encourage you. Okay, so let's go to letter E. Is everyone still awake? If somebody's asleep beside you, just kind of, no, don't, you know, whatever. Okay, all right, good. So G, give yourself and others permission to grieve. The letter R, reach out for support from sources that can help you. The letter I, ignore the insensitive remarks of others. And letter E, expect roller coaster days until the pain lessens. Expect roller coaster days until the pain lessens. How many have ever ridden on a roller coaster before? Okay, anybody ever been to Disneyland? Okay, you know, the happiest and most expensive place on earth if you have children. All right, Richie, okay, okay. All right, so what happens on a roller coaster? You, you, sit, you get on there and you go up and then you go down and then you go around and then you go upside down if you're foolish as I am. And then you get on those type of roller coasters and you're jerked all around and it's just crazy. But one thing about roller coasters, they usually go up and they go down. Up and down. That's the way grief is. That's the way loss is. You have these times where one day you're like, I think I'm doing okay. Then you can wake up the next morning and you're not okay. You could go a week and feel, hey, I'm actually, I think I'm doing okay with this. And then you have a week and it's terrible. You feel like you're starting all over. You have what we call triggers in grief. You hear a song that was your, you and your, your husband, your spouse's uh, song, and it was so special, and it just simply throws you all the way back to the beginning. Or you see a picture, or you see a vehicle that they used to drive. Or you have some experience that just sets you back. That's called the roller coaster of grief. That's the way loss is. Read Psalm chapter 42 and David there as in his loss and in his questions and he's discouraged. Then he says, why am I so discouraged or why am I so downcast? One version says, you know, my soul. And then the very next verse, but I will praise the Lord. The next verse, why am I so sad? And I will praise the Lord. And he's back and forth, Psalm 42. It's a great example of a man, the king, a man after God's own heart, a very good example for all of us that we have a lots of, of different emotions that we have to deal with. And we can have times where we are okay. Sometimes we're not okay. And many people come to my grief groups and they ask me, what's wrong with me? I'm okay. And then I'm not okay. Then I can't stop crying. Then I'm laughing. And one lady recently told me I'm, I was laughing and crying in the same sentence. I said, welcome to grief. That's the way it is. So there's nothing wrong with you. If you're okay. And then you're not okay. If you're Happy and then you're sad. You see, I tell people a lot, it's okay in grief to be sad, mad, or glad. It's usually one of those three emotions and they can intersect and they can uh, circulate and all of those things are part of being a person in loss. Having those days that are up and down, the good and the bad days. But I want to remind you that there is light at the end of the tunnel. From what I have observed, and I deal with about 200 people every year dealing with particular losses in groups and individual settings. And one thing I've observed from my own grief journey and from others from a professional standpoint is over time, most of the time, people learn to cope differently with the loss. Another, notice I didn't say time heals all wounds. And over time, you'll never remember them anymore. I, I firmly believe if you love a person and you lost them, you love them in life, you love them at this very moment, and you always will love them. You'll never stop missing them, 
But over time and through time, as you move forward in faith and courage, you're going to find that you learn, and with God's help and grace, you'll learn to adjust and cope a little bit differently in time to the new reality. But remember, the time period is different for everybody. It could be a family that has a loss, and someone in the family starts dealing more appropriately with it than someone else. But yet another family member still struggles years down the road. It's grief. It's just hard. It's life-changing and life-revealing. And so I would say to you, expect those roller coaster days until the pain lessens. And then letter F, okay? We're on the last one. How many of you are glad I'm almost finished? Don't raise your hand, okay? I love you anyway, all right? G, give yourself and others permission to grieve. R, reach out for support from sources that can help you. I, ignore the insensitive remarks of others. E, expect roller coaster days until the pain lessens. And then letter F, and here's the big one. All right, put your seatbelt on, everybody. All right, you ready? Letter F, focus on forgiveness and good memories. Focus on forgiveness and good memories memories. Oh, how important this is. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Many people struggle with forgiving other family members who didn't step up and take care of mom like they once said they did. And that unforgiveness, that anger, that frustration turns to unforgiveness, turns into resentment, and then bitterness. And according to the book of Hebrews can actually defile a person. I've seen it many times. Sometimes even believers or non-believers, they get mad at God or their perspective of God because he didn't come through or he took them earlier or took them at all. They get mad at medical staff. I know some people get mad at the person who actually passed away because they said they were going to be alive and they left too early. I'll never forget a lady came to my bereavement group one time and she was so angry and sad and happy, all of these emotions, sad, mad, glad, right here in this lady. And I never forget it. She sat to my left. I can still see this and hear her. And she literally, when it came to her time to share, she pounded on the table, started crying. Her face got really red. She said, I love and I hate my husband at the same time. It was quiet. There were about 20, and this was a large group that particular day. She said, if he were to walk through this door right now, I'd get out of this chair I'd go slap him on his bald head and tell him I love him and I hate him at the same time. She was mad. She said he didn't pay the life insurance three months before he passed away. He left me all this paperwork. He left me all these. He didn't take care of some final rain. He left me all this and I'm overwhelmed and I can't do this and I'm mad at him. He said that he was going to take care of me. We were planning to travel together in our retirement. She was very, very frustrated and angry. I counseled that lady. She came for a few times, and, and I just dealt with her in her particular moment there. And over time, at a, a, what I thought was a good moment, I said, listen, you really have to deal with this anger. It's because it's going to block you from ever grieving appropriately because now you have a secondary issue. It's called anger. You can't even grieve because now you're so mad. You've got this, and it's a wall. She did okay, and then she went back to the anger, and she let the anger get the best of her. She ended up in a hospital, ended up visiting her before she passed away of an angry heart. Anger and bitterness can really mess you up. And so I've learned there are things and there are bad situations that happen when you're going through a loss. And people die one of two ways. Either it's, it, it's the sudden departure like a heart attack or an accident. 
or it's the long goodbye, like a hospice situation, um, whether it be cancer or Alzheimer's, something of that nature. Usually it's in one of two categories, sometimes in between. But those are the two main ways. And a lot of times bad things happen or unfortunate circumstances. But it's important that we release that anger. It can cause physical pain, emotional pain, and spiritual pain. So very important. Sometimes people get mad at themselves. I wish I had done this. I should have done this while they were alive. If only, or I should have done this. I encourage people, do not live in the if onlys and the should haves. It won't help you. It's gone. That's in the past. You have to move forward with what you have now. And forgive those associated with that grief experience. And forgive yourself. Most people struggle with that one. They just cannot forgive themselves. Many people will come and, and they, they leave the room. They've been with their mom, leave the room, and then the mom slips out while they left the room. Anybody ever heard of that situation? Happens a lot of time in hospice. Just happened just a couple of days ago, as a matter of fact, in Ventura. And they live, I should have been there. I wanted to be there. I told her, I made a commitment. I'm mad at myself. Why didn't I? And it becomes harder and harder to deal with. Must forgive yourself. One scripture comes to mind when I think of forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32, where Paul reminded us to forgive others, even as Christ's sake, God hath forgiven us. God's forgiven us for so much. <laughs> That's what we must think about when it comes to this area of forgiveness. Jesus forgave us. Let us forgive others and sh show that same love to him. Wow, Luke 23, 34, Jesus hanging on a cross. He was mistreated pretty badly. What did he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Wow. Forgave. And in grief, forgiveness is a really hard thing to do. I would encourage you to live in forgiveness. Everett Worthington, a professor of psychology at Virginia Commonwealth University, also a licensed clinical psychologist in Virginia, published many articles and, and books. He wrote this, self-forgiveness releases you from shame and self-condemnation and leads to freedom and long-lasting internal peace. All of this begins with God's recipe for self-acceptance, which is summed up as you are flawed, but you are precious in his sight. And we're not perfect. We make mistakes. We need forgiveness and God has forgiven us. And that same forgiveness really needs to be shown to others because in grief, those feelings and those experiences can come. And then I would say, as we close for today, focus not only on the forgiveness, but on the good memories that you have. You know, it's natural and normal to have the bad feelings, the loss, the pain, the sadness. You don't have to really think about it. It just is there, isn't it? It's that nausea feeling. Are they really gone? It's where you pick up the phone and you start to dial their number or put in their name and realize, oh no, they're really gone. It's that sickening feeling. It's hard. It's difficult. So those natural negative feelings, they're going to be there when you're grieving someone or something that you love. You don't have to really work on that. But focusing on good memories is really challenging when you're hurting. 
Focusing on what you have to be grateful for is very, very difficult. When we read Philippians chapter 4, 6, and 7, it talks about the God of peace, and God wants to give us peace, and, but he gives us a list there, and he reminds us to think on these good, positive things. A great reminder that it's a choice. It's something we have to make some effort to do, to think on those things, because they're hard. And those good memories will help bring us peace, according to the scripture, as we go through our grief journey. I want to show you a picture of my brother. Can I do that? This is my brother here. His name is Mark. Mark was two years younger than me, as I mentioned a moment ago. Mark was a great guy. Loved God, loved people, loved life itself. He was a, a minister to young people over in the South, serving at a church, wife, three kids. And I remember on March the 1st, 2018, Mark and I were talking. Mark and I were talking, and he knew that I'd been doing a little Bible studies here and grief counseling and chaplain-type work, and, and I'm a certified music therapist. And so I was trying to help people and just reach people and just show God's love in the community. And Mark said on March 1st, 2018, I believe God is doing something. I believe you need to start a nonprofit ministry, help churches, help individuals, families, and businesses. Start a ministry here, and I'm going to be the first one to support you, March the 1st, 2018. I got off the phone, drove up to Ojai, to a cancer recovery center here in Ojai. About an hour and a half later, while right in the middle of meeting with the administrator, I got a phone call that my brother Mark passed away. He was 40 years old, on the basketball court, suddenly had a heart attack. I was the last one to speak to him from the family. And when I got that call, I couldn't believe it. I was complete shock and denial, all of those stages of grief, you know. Knowing that this young man, full of life, loved people, faithful believer, was gone. Couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I still can't believe it at times, if you don't know the truth. It's been three and a half years now. And it was so difficult to think he's gone. I couldn't look at many pictures. This picture I could look at because you may know where he's standing. He's standing at the empty tomb of Jesus Christ. This is my favorite picture. I have a big frame at my house. It reminds me of the faith that he had, and it reminds me that I'm going to see him again. His faith was in Christ as mine is as well, and many of you as well. And just gives me that steadfast hope and that confidence of knowing that I'll see him again. And one thing that's helped me is focusing on these good memories that I have. Quick example, and then we're done. When I was 10 years old, Mark was 8 years old. We were playing hide-and-seek in our house, Vinny. We were playing hide-and-seek. My parents went across the street uh, to grandparents' house. We locked the doors, turned all the lights out, and I went to count, and Mark, little Mark, 8 years old, went to hide. And there I was with my unchanged high-pitched voice, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, all the way to 20. I finally went looking for Mark. Couldn't find him anywhere. After about two minutes, it was like two years, you know, when you're young. Turned on the light, said, Mark, come out. Where are you? Can't find him. He still would not come out. I said, I said, Mark, you better come out or I'm going to call mom and dad. You better come out. Where are you? I need to see you. And finally, that little guy poked his head out of the washing machine. <laughs> I can still see it. You know, that was an experience that he and I had. Just he and I. Something special. I'll tell you, through some really dark days, that memory has helped me along to think of something good 
help me to move forward. And I just want to say to you, many of you in here are hurting today. And my condolences to you, my love, thoughts, and prayers are with you. And I just want to remind you, God is good all the time. He's here with you in your grief and your loss. And focus on the forgiveness. Let that go. Focus on those good memories that you have. Some of you may need to start a little gratitude journal. You start a, something of writing good things down. But I just want you to know that your pain is real. Your grief experience is real. And I'm just so honored to be able to be here today to support you and to help you on this journey. As you leave today, would you do me a favor? On the table out in the back there, a little patio area, I love how it's set out there. There's a little table and there's all these colorful bags. Volunteer with Mark Ministries put these together for you today. And inside that bag, there's my card. It's got an email. It's got my personal cell number, so don't tell anybody, okay? That's a joke. You can text me, call me, email me. Um, any questions you have, anything I can do to support you, love to do that. Uh, there's a new ministry of Mark Ministries in there called ASAP, where I go and, and visit uh, seniors or people who are in hospitals or uh, senior living homes, uh, go in there or whatever the situation is if they're not on hospice. It's called ASAP, Assisting the Senior Adult Population. So there's a new ministry. We've just started with Mark Ministries. And in that bag, there's also my brand new CD. Okay, I thought you'd be more excited about that. Okay, <laughs> wow, lead balloon, okay? Some of you are like, huh, what's that? Okay, all right. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a local music entertainer and certified music therapist. I see a couple of familiar faces. I think I've seen you somewhere where I've sung, okay? And so every couple of years, this is my first one in California, uh, I have recorded some of the songs I sing in the community. Amazing Grace is on there, okay? It's the only spiritual song on there, sorry, okay? Uh, there's an Elvis and a Frank Sinatra and a Randy Travis, that type of thing, okay? So, and, but um, I'm singing Amazing Grace. You got to get, get it for Amazing Grace because I'm singing a duet with myself. That was so fun. Literally, I'm singing both parts, okay? So that is a free gift to you. So I want you to make sure you get a bag and I'll, they all need to go today. So take one if you have a neighbor or friend, you want to give it to somebody. Uh, the catch is it won't play unless you make a personal donation to Mark Ministries. Okay, take the CD, but it won't work. I'm kidding. Some of you are like, really? Okay, no, okay, I'm kidding. I want you to have that. I want to spread as much light and love to people. So, um, and that's a joke. Okay, uh, I, I, it's appreciated, but it's a joke. Okay. But take that. I hope it'll be a blessing to you. Please pray for Mark Ministries. And thank you for the time of being here today. It certainly was an honor. Thank you all. God bless. Uh, isn't, it, isn't it such a blessing to see God um, really bring this resource into the church family? Um, and something that, that you shared, one of the quotes that, that's just been going through my mind since, since you said it was, you know, you're flawed, but you are precious. And, and I think about that in a couple of ways. One, in our humanness, we need Mark Ministries and other ministries because we are flawed. We're fallen. We're broken humans. And, and grief is, is just a part of our journey on this planet, and we're not to do it alone. And, and it's okay to admit we're flawed. I need help, right, for as long as it takes. And, the, and then you get the very practical, what to say, what not to say. How many of you learned something very practical today? Just like, wow, right? So, so thank you. And, and so we leave here equipped. We leave here uh, maybe comforted. But I also think of that quote where you are flawed, but you are precious for those that maybe don't know Jesus. That's the whole gospel. 
All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life. You're so precious, he sent Jesus. Right? And, and I just want to encourage you, if you understand that, maybe, maybe through the, uh, 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 a talk on grief, you understand flawed in a different way. Like, wait, that's me. We're all flawed. We're all broken. We're, we're all in need. And the Bible says our ultimate need is a relationship with the Lord through faith in Jesus. And so this morning, if you've not done that, that one of the, the great prayers of your heart could be, Father, I'm flawed. But I understand this morning that I'm precious, so precious that you sent Jesus. You sent Jesus for me. And in the best way I know how, Father, I received that gift of salvation. I put my faith in Jesus. I received that gift. It's a gift we receive as a flawed human. We receive the gift of eternal life through faith in Jesus. That's what the Bible says. It's not by works. He understands our flaws. And he still sent Jesus as the ultimate gift, the ultimate symbol of how much you are loved. God demonstrates his love while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. I love that. Sort of a, the biblical version of you are flawed but precious. <laughs> right? Because how much God loves you. So this morning I want to encourage you, if you've not put your faith in Jesus, do that. Receive that gift of salvation. And, and again, uh, Paul's going to be out front. He'd love to chat with you more. Um, he's going to it's his ministry. It's his heart. And so before we dismiss, we do want to um, celebrate communion together as a church family. There are cups uh, right there in the rows in front of you. Again, uh, one has bread, one has juice. Uh, again, encourage you to open the bread first and then flip it over to the juice side. Okay. Um, and so let's, let's just spend some time in prayer. And then we'll allow you to take communion as you're ready. Jesus says, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Okay, we do this in remembrance of me. So let's pray. You can take communion uh, as you will during this song. So, Father, thank you. We are flawed but precious in your sight. And we hold this cup in our hand, a real tangible symbol of your love, reminders of how precious we are. So, Father, thank you. Jesus, you said as often as we do this, to do this in remembrance of you. Thank you. You said that that in this world we will have tribulations, but be of good cheer. You have overcome the world. You say in your word that, that you understand our weakness. And so, uh, even through a talk on grief this morning, we, we come to the cross, understanding your grief and what you went through at the cross for us. And then we celebrate who we are in you, Jesus, new creations, born again into your family. And again, for those here who have never put their faith in Jesus, maybe this is the time. As best as you know how, just talk to Father and say, Father, thank you that I am precious. I understand I'm flawed. I understand maybe it's sin. And thank you that I am saved by your grace through faith, not by works. So in the best way I know how, Father, I'm trusting Jesus as my Savior, my Lord, this morning. Thank you that I am that precious. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And so in this time of communion, we'll allow you to uh, 
pray. Maybe there's some grief on your heart you need to pour out to Father. Maybe you need some grace, whatever it is. This is your time of communion with Father. And then afterwards, we'll be dismissed.